AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Grains held on to gains on the day, but had another off week overall. Feels a little bit like normal seasonal price action overall. We've got a guest who can talk over it all in today's AgriTalk. Live from Veterans Day in the USA via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Brian Split from agmarket.net. Chip is out gallivanting today. I'm your astonishingly sufficient host, Davis Michelson. Thanks for tuning in on your favorite ag radio station or your preferred digital device. Got a great conversation ahead for you. We're going to touch all the bases and even uh, the goal line, the uh, field goal post thingy, and whatever that net deal is that they have in soccer, we're going to touch them all. With Brian Split from AgMarket.net. Uh, first of all, of course, today being Veterans Day, in case you missed it this morning, or even if you heard it, special shout out and a thank you to all of our veterans, um, those who made it home and those who did not. Of course, um, all gave some, some gave all. We appreciate the sacrifices that veterans made uh, and uh, and everything that that has done to benefit life here in the good old U.S. of A., we wouldn't be able to do what we do without their sacrifices, without their willingness to serve us. Uh, and so allow me to express our gratitude publicly to you veterans, families, um, anyone involved. So uh, thank you, Veterans Day. I would say happy Veterans Day, but it isn't a happy day for some. Uh, so just understand you have the support of AgriTalk, of Chip Flory, Big Apple Joe, Stackler, and myself. So with that, moving on, uh, let's talk about today's markets because in the overnight session, boom, went the bean market. We ended up with double-digit gains, looked pretty sexy at the close here, uh, but we did trim some off the top. Same deal on corn, a positive close but maybe got a little ahead of itself, maybe got some profit-taking come come in right around midday because we fell back slightly. Um, and the bean oil in particular fell back from its early session highs. Interesting there. I'll talk with uh, Mr. Split about that. Wheat had an update as well. Um, looks pretty good. Now your cattles, yeah, see, they don't like this kind of thing, so they were off. Uh, lean hogs, you got to go clear out to the June 23 to find something green, and that's only 15 cents higher after posting unchanged for the May 23. Other than that, nearby is lower. Um, energies, you got your crude oil up $2.56. Also trimmed gains on the day, but still higher. Uh, the decent 89.03, just shy of the $90 level. Uh, heating oil down in the Ds at 356 and a little more, um, but look out further. The Jans at 345, that's up a couple cents, two and a half, call it. Uh, February's up three cents on the day, 336. Natural gas. Oh, here we go. Yeah, let's not forget natural gas. Down, down 35 and three quarter cents in the Ds to 588. That's 
So a, a decent day for the uh, the grain markets. A little tough on the livestock. Oh, and cotton had an up day, too. We'll get to all of this and more. Let me hit today's news. I'm gonna Before I do that, I'm going to work ahead just a little bit and pull up my weekly closes spreadsheet. There we go. Uh, winter wheat futures climbed on corrective buying from Thursday's drop to two-month lows, spurred by a sharp continued pullback in the dollar. Traders continue to monitor negotiations of the Ukraine export deal. Both rain and snow are forecast, and enough precipitation is expected in Oklahoma and the Texas panhandle for some increase in topsoil moisture. Argentina's Buenos Aires Grain Exchange cut its wheat harvest forecast to 12.4 million metric tons. That's down from 14 million metric tons previously, citing drought and frosts. December hard red winter wheat futures were 18 and one quarter cents higher, 943 and one half. December soft red wheat gained 10 and one quarter cents to 813 and one quarter. December spring wheat closed at 945 and three quarters, up 14 and one quarter cents. Now I do definitely want to, maybe we'll start with the dollar and some economic stuff with Brian Split from agmarket.net, um, because the, uh, the dollar is getting a bit of the blame for keeping the lid uh, for for giving us a little bit of a, a spark on the wheat futures, December hard red winter wheat futures on the week down nine and three quarter cents, and the soft red down thirty four and one half cents. That's uh, to close at eight thirteen and one quarter. Corn futures joined the rally in soybeans as the U.S. dollar extended a sharp pullback near a three month low. And China's easing COVID restrictions fueled expectations for stronger demand. Solid ethanol production this week added support. Negotiations continue to address Russia's concern on the Ukraine grain export deal as officials from Russia and the United Nations met in Geneva to discuss a possible extension. All told, despite today's price strength, corn futures closed lower on the week for the fourth consecutive week. December corn futures were four and three quarters higher, 658. March corn added three and one half cents to 663. July corn futures closed at 658. That's up three cents today and on the week. Down in the December, down 23 cents. Six, uh, yeah, 658. That's right. Down 23 on the week. Well, soybean futures surged in overnight trade and continued higher in early trade, but trimmed gains around midday. Still, strength in the soy complex was enough to buoy beans to double digit gains on the day. According to World Weather Inc., a few more rounds of timely rains in Brazil during the next 10 days will further induce improvements in soil moisture and conditions for planting and crop development across the driest western and northern areas of Brazil. January soybeans 27 and one half cents higher, 14.50. March beans gained 25 and three quarters, 14.53 and three quarter. July beans closed at 14.60. That's up 24 and one quarter cents on the day. January contract down 12 and one quarter cents on the week. On the cotton side, news of easing COVID policy in China supported a rise in cotton futures to end the week. December cotton 182 points higher at 88.20. On your livestock side, live and feeder cattle futures were lower in today's trade. Feeders were pressured by strength in the corn market, while fat cattle slid on a lackluster cash market performance as feedlots hold out for higher cash bids. December live cattle $1.55 lower, 151.52 and a half. 
April live cattle slipped 145 to 157.05. January feeders three dollars twelve and one half cents lower. 178.57 and one half. Man, the feeders took it hard today. On the week, December fat cattle down twelve and a half cents. Jan feeders all told this week down one dollar and one nickel. And finally, on the snout side, although cutout values rebounded from a nine-month low, cash market fundamentals weighed on lean hog futures, with the CME lean hog index around the lowest price since February 11. December lean hog futures 52 and one half lower at 84.35. April hogs down 12 and a half cents today. To close at 94.10, it did look like the direct cash market was going to sport a little bit of strength this week. Uh, had two days in a row, Wednesday and Thursday, of some some cash strength in the direct price, but uh, wasn't enough to uh, inspire a higher close. That, in fact, uh, fell uh, in in today, actually yesterday. So uh, lower across the board, cash fundamentals, just, just a weight on the hogs at the moment. I've got Brian Split coming up. After these words, it's Davis Michelson on AgriTalk. Thank you so much for tuning in on Veterans Day. Stick around through these words. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. Hosting by myself and I sing like Timberlake. Agritalk for the ladies. Chip's really not around to stop me here. I could do this all day, but I'm not going to, I promise. By the way, uh, shout out to Possible Burger. He usually listens uh, on the podcast and listens to it fast. He says, I'm talking really slow today. I feel I'm fired up, super fired up today. Um, part of it is my guest, Brian Split. Uh, let me bring him in right now. Brian Split from agmarket.net. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Good afternoon, Davis. How do you do? I do quite well. Thank you. Um, let's, uh, I, you know what? I want to start, uh, if we could with the dollar and okay as as a news a guy that just reports stuff okay i find myself getting caught in these little paradoxes you know you you want to see the grains go higher but then you you think well geez now that's rough on the livestock guys i want to see the livestock go higher but that's usually at the expense of the of the grain dudes and now i i feel like i've I want the dollar to be strong, 
but it this feels like very healthy market action here. And maybe it's just so volatile we'll get it all back first thing Monday morning. I'm not sure. Um, help me out with the dollar and my uh, existential funk here, bro. Yeah, Davis. Um, so apparently we should have all taken our vacations to Europe already. And if you didn't, <laughs> you missed out. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of this move obviously happened after the CPI data and uh, inflation is still there, but it's not running at the rate that it was. And so we saw the dollar just get absolutely smashed. Uh, as the dollar came down, we saw money just fly into the equity markets. Um, and so the dollar has been kind of confusing because the the relationship that we've been used to is, all right, strong dollar, bad commodities. But that's mm-hmm. absolutely not what's been happening. We've had a very strong dollar this year, and we've had very strong commodities. So that relationship that we're used to uh, just has not held true. Um, and so then at the very least, we're kind of thinking, okay, well, maybe if we can get this this dollar to come down, um, we can get a little bit better exports going. Um, you know, that's been a concern for the corn market specifically is the export pace. But uh, you look at the dollar and, and let's say over the last five sessions, it's been down about four and a half percent. But let's look at the real in the same five sessions, the real has been down about eight percent. So competitively speaking, the the country that we are trying to compete with for the most part for exports, their currency has gotten hit harder than ours in the last several days. So that being the case, does the lower dollar really mean anything since it's lower compared to a basket of other currencies as far as the index goes? Or, I mean, is it more about the spread? Well, I I tend to think when we're just looking specifically at, at the dollar versus the real, the real has made a bigger move and uh, that move is is more beneficial for uh, Brazilian exports than it would be for U.S. exports. Um, I don't know all the answers to this, Davis. Like I said, sure. the dollar as a whole has been more of a, a confusing um, uh, move compared to commodities versus what we would typically be looking at. Um, but really, the, the dollar index coming down um, hopefully should spur some additional demand. Uh, and we saw probably the most sensitive uh, commodity to the dollar would be wheat. We did have some good strength there. Uh, I watch hard red wheat quite a bit. It seems like this 920, 925 area versus the December contract has been a very good level of support, big picture. That's mm-hmm. kind of where the market went before Putin reneged on the grain corridor. We ran up to 990, hit the 200-day moving average. Woke up on a Wednesday morning with headlines at 5 a.m. that he was back uh, for the corridor. We took it all back, uh, but we seem to continue to to find value in the same area. Uh, so, uh, with the dollar backing off, hopefully that continues to provide some support for wheat. And we just have, um, you know, a, a problem in the in the hard red growing regions with the ongoing dryness. Um, We've got a dry scenario really for a lot of our growing regions here in the Midwest. And so it's going to be very important to see how that evolves over winter as we get into our our spring planting season. 
Well, and talking about those dry areas in hard red country, um, I, re- I read in the news, my first paragraph was talking about rain and snow forecast um, with some expecting enough uh, either snow or rain or probably some mixture of both in some areas in Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle for some increase in topsoil moisture. But, dude, they're dry enough. It's going to take quite a bit. I mean, I I don't know that I would wish all of it at once on Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle to fully recharge soil moisture there. Right. And especially when it's, uh, it's as dry as it is, um, you know, will it run off? Uh, how cold is the ground? You know, does it allow it to be absorbed? Uh, and, and what is what actually materializes, you know, that's something obviously that you see a forecast uh, and then you see what actually hits the ground. Um, and so we'll be watching that and I'm sure the trade will be, eagerly anticipating uh, the the reality of what hits the ground and what the totals are. Well, now, meanwhile, we've got um, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange. I don't know how closely you watch Argentine wheat, but they're talking about a slightly smaller harvest forecast, uh, citing drought and frost, kind of a similar situation. How much does the market care about what the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange has to say? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, do the do they care about it as much as what the USDA has to say? You know, I, I mean, I, I think probably the the market puts the most emphasis on on USDA's opinion. But uh, you know, we saw the USDA this week reduce the the Argentine uh, wheat crop by what two million tons. But we saw uh, some increases in Kazakhstan. We saw increases in Australia to really help offset that. Uh, I don't think the USDA is quite where the um, the boots on the ground uh, authorities in Argentina feel the crop is. So we could potentially see that come down further. And I think we will. Um, and that's just, a, you know, again, another piece of the puzzle. But uh, when I look at the the big picture right now, I mean, stocks are, are pretty tight for for wheat, uh, both domestically and globally. And uh, that should keep an, an underpinning under things, especially as we're really looking to see how uh, how our domestic crop goes into dormancy this winter and whether we have some adequate snow cover or not. Yeah, if I'm remembering right, and this might just be horribly wrong, I'm thinking that USDA was on 15 million metric tons in Argentina, but Conab earlier this week put out an 11 print or something like that. So the, there's definitely some room there if USDA wants to mirror uh, RG's numbers. Um, sticking globally, it sounds like there are expectations that Australia might have quite the recovery. We could we could see some competition out of there on the wheat side. Right. Yeah, we just addressed that. The USDA increased the uh, the Australian crop. And, uh, you know, that's been a, a country that's had their their struggles with dryness over the last couple of years. And um, th- their wheat crop has has experienced uh, uh, dry conditions for the last few years. Uh, so it's good to see, you know, I mean, you don't want to wish a, a poor crop on anybody, even if it benefits your own prices. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is good to see the Australians recover and, and look like they're going to have a, a better crop than what they've been putting out the last few years. Here's a question we don't ask much that I just flat don't know the answer to. Can a wheat grower make money right now, either in the cash market or protecting it with futures? Is there profit in wheat? Well, I, I think what is exciting to producers of wheat is the idea of double cropping wheat with beans behind it. Um, that looks very good. So when we're, when we're looking at, uh, you know, near $9, uh, 
uh, wheat futures for soft red uh, plus $9 on hard red, and then the ability to uh, put in near $14 beans behind that, um, that, that is a, a good scenario to be in and offers uh, potential. If, and again, you're going to have to do some, some things to protect those values. Uh, but I've had producers recently um, that have gotten their wheat crop in more in the, in the soft red growing regions, and they feel good about the way their wheat looks. So um, we've been doing a little bit more to protect those wheat values. And then we've been doing some things on new crop soybeans to, to protect the, the value of beans that will be going in behind it. So in that event, the beans are the mashed potatoes and the wheat crop is the gravy. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to create a metaphor for um, for wheat and soybeans relative to a Thanksgiving dinner, but yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. outstanding. Uh, Brian Split, we're going to, I want to start with soybeans when we come back on the other side of the break. We've some strength in the product market that just didn't seem to hold up for the soybean oil, but it really didn't hold up for crude oil either. I wonder if, if there's a, I got a sneaking suspicion there may be a connection there. We'll talk beans and corn and what you need to do about it. Heck, we might even hit the livestock before we're all done. It's Davis Michelson with Brian Split from eggmarket.net right here on AgriTalk. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. China today eased some of its strict COVID rules even as case numbers surged to their highest since April. Moscow says blocks on Russia's payments, logistics, and insurance industries have been a barrier to Russia being able to export its grain and fertilizer. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told Reuters it was good to see the latest U.S. consumer inflation data suggests upward pressures are easing, but she did stop short of calling it a turning point. Bankers at the American Ag Bankers Association annual conference told us the ag sector overall will be in good shape for 2023, but are concerned about 24. And house control remains uncertain, but most signal a modest GOP takeover of the chamber. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
That number, once again, 855-482-5524. Or 855-482-5522, followed by the number four, AgriTalk. Or you can tweet at us, hashtag AgriTalk. Uh, Brian Split from AgMarket.net is my guest today. Uh, before we get back to the conversation and talk a little soybeans, here's how the markets performed today, December. Hard red winter wheat futures, 18 and one quarter cents higher, 943 and one half. December soft red wheat gained 10 and one quarter to 813 and one quarter. December corn futures were four and three quarter cents higher at 658. July corn up three cents today, 658 on the close. January soybean futures, 27 cents higher, 1450. July soybeans closed at 1460, up 24 and one quarter cents on the day. December cotton, 182 points higher at 88.20. Note to self, I forgot to give the weekly cotton close, which was up 127 points. December cotton up on the week. On the livestock side, December cattle, a buck 55 lower, 151.52 and a half. January feeders, $3, 12 and one half cents lower at 178.57 and one half. And today, December lean hogs, 52 and one half cents lower at 84 and 35. Brian Split, my guest from agmarket.net. Uh, thanks to, uh, thanks to you, Brian, for being here today. Let's switch over to the soybean market. Um, the bean oil market looked super stout this morning and then around midday, Kind of fell back a little bit. Still, still a decent positive close. Clearly added some support to the beaners, uh, which were up double digits of their own. But uh, do do you have any insights on on what got into the bean oil that it just couldn't hold on? Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was still a, a pretty good close, uh, all things considered. Yes, we closed off the highs. Um, I do tend to think that because the December contract got within striking distance of contract highs, uh, and we saw meal uh, yesterday in the in the in the low 400s, uh, you know, sometimes day to day you've got some buy one and sell the other. Uh, so I, I think that might have been part of it. But um, you know, crude oil came off the highs. There's a, a pretty strong correlation with bean oil and crude oil. Uh, but I think, you know, some of the stuff that we have that, you know, were reasons that we tried to rally early in the day. Again, crude oil was up over three bucks this morning. So I think that definitely helped. Um, you know, we we do have uh, representatives in Brazil's new government signaling that they do plan on returning to the original plan um, schedule of, of ramping up the country's biodiesel mandate. Uh, so we got to remember that uh, they had reduced their mandate from 13% to 10% uh, in May of 2021, and, and they've re- remained at 10% uh, all throughout 2022. And so what the plan is, is they're going to be moving back uh, to a goal of going from uh, uh, 14% from January to March, and then 15% from March onwards. Uh, so this would just really signal a, a major increase in bean oil demand for biodiesel. Uh, we're seeing that again in Brazil. We know that we've got uh, quite a bit of new crush plants being built domestically for the same initiative. Um, and so I think that's what's continuing to provide this uh, ongoing support to bean oil. 
Um, but you know, why did crude oil come off the highs? Uh, you know, after the morning surge, it's probably the same reason that bean oil came off its highs, still finishing higher, but not at the highs of the day. Well, and if I'm looking from the Nove clear out to the July 23, there's there's 15 cents to be had in there. What do those spreads have to tell us? Um, you're saying on the bean oil or which uh, on the, are you on, just to? on the soybeans, just on the soybeans. Yeah. OK, well, so on the soybeans, um, you know, we had river issues and we went from um, a market that was trading some inverses. Um, and then with the concern about the uh, the river and, and the ability to move beans out of the Gulf, we built carry in these markets. Uh, in my in my opinion, I think a lot of these carries are worth owning. Um, you think about, you know, March to July, for example, that's that's a, a position that that I'm in and, and have uh, some clients. in. just when you got more than than 10 cents of carry from March to July, uh, I think that's worth owning. Um, if we do develop any kind of concerns about uh, about the Brazilian crop and, and, you know, right now everything looks pretty hunky dory, but we know things can can change uh, rather quickly. And if we start to become concerned about dryness as we get into December or January, um, I think the market's going to be taking the carry out of the market rather rapidly. Uh, so these are, are some what I would consider lower risk type plays uh, if you want to be bullish soybeans. Uh, you know, the market can build carry, but generally it's it's only going to be so much carry. So um, I, I think right now some of the recent price action, especially with November in delivery right now, um, we've seen November go from uh, a carry to January. Uh, now we're trading in an inverse while we're in delivery. And I think that speaks to the the cash market strength that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, talk to me about demand. We saw some daily sales earlier this week um, at at these price levels, are we rationing demand or are importers just needing to get supplies in? Yeah, well, I think China right now is is uh, intent on just bridging the gap to get themselves to the South American crop. Yeah. My concern on that would be if the Brazilian crop uh, materializes at the levels that the USDA feels like it could be. Um, you know, 150 plus million tons of soybeans. Uh, I think you could see our soybean export drop off uh, a, a cliff as we get into 2023. Uh, and, and seasonally, that should happen. That's when we were going to go into more of a, a corn export program. Um, but I, I think the size of that crop could keep the Chinese buyer away uh, for maybe a little bit longer than, than typical. Um, I think next week's going to be pretty important as we look at the G20 meeting. Um, President Biden and Xi Jinping are going to be meeting, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But we know that there's been some conflict as far as chips and artificial intelligence, and um, that uh, from the Chinese counterparts would be seen as economic warfare. And uh, if, if we don't see you know, some positive outcomes of that meeting, uh, I think China, you know, will again continue to buy what they need to buy to get to the Brazilian crop. But once Brazil's crop is online, uh, I think they're going to avoid us like the plague for a while if our relationship mm. does not improve. 
They want to be friends with us, though, don't they, China? They're not, uh, it's it's got to be just saber-rattling over in, in Taiwan. It can't be the brink of war, as some would have us believe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're looking at... Um, I, I, I tend to think that world leaders right now understand that there's other ways to, to do warfare with other countries, uh, you know, asymmetric warfare. Um, it does not have to be kinetic where we are shooting bullets or launching right. mis- missiles. I, I don't think, I think world leaders realize that that's not good for anybody. Um, and, and so it's going to take quite a bit for something like that to happen. So I think there's other, other ways of, of doing warfare. Um, you know, those kind of under the table jabs and, and other things that, uh, you know, you, we've seen currency plays, uh, you know, again, the, 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 idea of, of the the chips and the AI that uh, we're not allowing China to do. Um, so these are things that that these guys will work through. But yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't think anybody's really intent on having, uh, you know, things escalate to a kinetic uh, scenario. Um, and of course, we do an awful lot of, of buying of Chinese goods and um, China needs that to support their economy. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's it's easy to think, oh, well, war, that's simple. It, you kill people and break stuff. That's what war is. But really, um, I'm almost feeling like, and I'm just sort of talking off the top of my head here, but it, it feels like what you're affirming there is the idea that really what a war is is an aggressive effort to advance one's own interests uh, and perhaps even to some degree impose them on others. Does that oversimplify it or does that soften it too much? No, I mean, I think at the very basic level of what it is, I mean, and so the U.S. has been, um, I think, more uh, over the last couple of decades, the one to impose our will on other countries and, um, you know, not be afraid to uh, to start that kinetic uh, activity. But, you know, we we have typically done it uh, versus underdogs, right? We've, we've never really started a any kinetic activity versus another major uh, global superpower, um, and I, I don't think we will. Uh, so any any warfare where we're trying to advance our interests uh, will continue to be on some more of these more asymmetric levels, um, and I, I think it's going to continue to be, you know, more of a, on an economic front than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. Talk to the the soybean growers out there. What is it you'd like to see them do? Where where's your head out on on doing something or nothing right now? Uh, right. So contract highs for for Nov twenty three. You know the new crop soybeans were just under fourteen fifty. We've seen fourteen dollars recently. Uh, we had gapped lower from fourteen dollars and three quarters over Father's Day weekend or or Juneteenth as we would call it now. Um, we filled that gap. $14 has been a kind of a brick wall above the market. So uh, we've been advocating for uh, providing, uh, you know, at least a floor um, yeah. under the under the new crop soybeans, especially as we approach the the Brazilian crop and, and Brazilian harvest. Um, 1340 has been a level that's been important for the last couple of months. So uh, at the very least, I, I would like to see producers have some kind of a, a put to protect the 1340 level. All right, um, Brian. Let's no. uh, let's pick this up on the other side of the break here. Brian, split. We'll be back with a little bit more on beans, and then we'll get corn. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Radio, no time to waste here. Uh, Davis Michelson, thanks for tuning in to AgriTalk. BJ Split from agmarket.net. Brian, you were talking about some downside protection being um, a wise choice currently in the soybean market, and we were cut off by uh, the pursuit of commerce. Could you finish your thoughts on, on soybeans for us quickly, and then we'll move on to corn? Yeah, um, so essentially 14 bucks. No, 23 has been a, a tough nut to crack. So uh, we've been either you know looking at uh, doing some HTAs for those producers. that That's how they operate, um, selling futures for the, the producers that do it that way. Uh, and finding some option strategies, usually generally using the 1340 put as kind of the anchor of the position, uh, you know, probably selling calls up near 15 to 16, uh, depending on, you know, the out-of-pocket premium outlay the producer wants to look at. Again, that's a, a decision that needs to be made on a case-by-case basis. Um, I think a lot of producers here recently have seen the dollar uh, rally on the board for, for old crop soybeans. They've seen basis improve since the beginning of harvest. and um, you know, we've been uh, advocating uh, pricing some more uh, old crop soybeans on this move and uh, uh, if desired, replacing with some call ownership to uh, get us through uh, at least to, to take a look at the South American growing season to see if something develops there uh, and or uh, looking at those spreads that we had discussed where you're, you're you know, buying uh, one month and then selling a deferred contract while there's carry in the market, which, uh, you know, these these spreads have not had any uh, shame and in, in inverting and sometimes rather drastically if there's a concern that develops. Um, so that would be the the breakdown on the soybeans. Outstanding. Uh, switching over to corn, I'm hearing increasing reports of corn piles just because it's tough to to find a way to move this corn out, the river situation being the way that it is. We're down uh, on the weekly changes. I think it's four weeks in a row now, just sort of slipping away from us. I keep hearing guests on the show here talking about, let's not get complacent with corn. Let's, we're getting a lull to sleep here. Um, but I almost feel like the conver- conversation we just had about soybeans, we could cross out beans and put in corn there. Does that oversimplify it? Um, no, it really doesn't. I mean, when you think about the last couple months, we had a very bullish September WASDE report. We had a bullish September quarterly stock report. We had a bullish October WASDE report. Uh, all of those took corn to $7. We couldn't get through $7 in a meaningful way. We couldn't close above it. And I think the market got tired. Uh, so, you know, again, we were advocating being a, a seller of, of cash 
uh, especially with basis levels the way they are, as strong as they are, uh, which is not seasonal uh, for this time of year. Um, and, and replacing that with some, um, some call ownership in the July. Uh, again, when you've got no carry in, in the corn market in December and July are trading at very close to the same price, um, you know, it makes sense to, to replace your physical ownership with some, uh, with some option ownership uh, later in the year. And so you're not buying calls on something that is trading at a higher price. Um, and really, you're just paying for the time. Uh, and so we've been doing a little bit more of that. Uh, I think some producers have seen the market come down and, um, you know, they wanted to get a little bit more priced. And so, again, I, I spent some time today looking at some some option strategies to out to July to look at re-ownership there. Uh, but again, uh, I think a lot of producers are, are thinking that, you know, the stuff that's in the bin now uh, has has the opportunity to see some basis improvement. And, and I, I don't disagree. I think uh, basis in the next 30 days as we get into December is, is typically a very seasonally strong period. Um, and so if you have the wherewithal to uh, to get it back out of the bin in a month uh, and take advantage of some good cash premiums, I think that's advisable. Um, all right. So just just to completely oversimplify, you you would favor if the if the basis leans your way and you can you can bring home some cash, make a profit on a cash sale here right now probably best to take advantage or do we hold out for December like you said that seasonal rally in basis um I think right now the market on the future side has dropped enough where I I'm not going to be as concerned about uh you know the futures end of it um maybe we could go down another 20 to 30 cents if we're going to yeah. hit some of these retracement targets or um, you know, fill the gap on December corn, at, which is at 631. That's still a viable target. Um, but uh, I think in in the in the big picture right now, um, I think if if the grain is in the bin, the producer seems to really want either some stronger cash prices um, in the short term to to let go of it, or they want to keep it in the bin and wait and see what we're going to be dealing with next year, especially uh, producers that are uh, in an area where we've got some severe moisture deficits. Um, I think they want to see their their next crop get planted uh, and feel comfortable about uh, yeah. the conditions of their next crop before they do much more marketing. Um, now, when we were up at seven bucks, uh, you know, and, and as producers were getting grain out of the field, one of the problems that we were seeing is is the conversation of, all right, well, you know, the elevator is going to charge me thirty cents to store it until the end of the year. Um, and, and so that was a lot of what we were talking about is, you know what, don't pay them 30 cents to store it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Take advantage of the strong basis right now. Take advantage of the fact that futures are near seven. And if you want to have some kind of uh, ownership, do it in your account. Um, heck, even the idea of, of just selling it and buying a future contract simultaneously and avoiding that 30 cent storage fee, um, you know, unless you really ex expect your basis to to improve by more than 30 cents by the end of the year. Uh, I think that is a, a is a conversation that we should be having every single year. Um, and plus, by the time it's in the bin and you pay the 30 cents to store it to the end of the year, if the market hasn't done what you want it to, you're going to continue to pay storage as you get into spring and into summer. And so, um, you know, these storage fees, they're kind of that invisible um, goblin that eats away at profit levels because you're not really seeing it. Um, you know, when you're when you've got a position in your account, you stare at it every day and you know where you are. And if you're getting margin calls, you're, you're feeling it because you're writing checks for it. Um, but these storage fees, 
they come off the top and you don't real, really realize it, that this is real money that, that is coming off of your profit levels, uh, you know, as time goes by. So again, that, that would be something I would always strongly advocate against is paying commercial storage. Brian Split from agmarket.net. Would you, would you care to sound off real quick for Veterans Day? Just a few seconds. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, this is a it's a special time for me being a veteran, uh, coming from a, a family uh, that's a military family. I spent uh, yesterday with my dad and my grandfather, who are also Marine veterans. Um, it was the 247th birthday of the Marine Corps. Uh, we honored my my brother, who we lost June uh, uh, 5th of 2010, who's also Marine. 